Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Before you ask any questions about the hue on my face or the wetness of my hair, uh, Daddy got a little workout in this morning, jumped right into a podcast. I went three rounds with six globalist demons, and uh, unfortunately, they beat me down. They beat me down, and I, uh, I, I you know, in, in layman's terms, uh, it was the equivalent of getting the, the Vax passport. That's how bad the beating was, but I got a good workout, and I also went for a run, and it's also, you know what, Jason, before, I'm not even going to introduce you yet, but it was hilarious, because I was on the run, and I'm dying. Daddy's got to lose 20, 10, 20 pounds, Um, and I saw a a Ford Explorer with a Blue Lives Matter bumper sticker just ram itself back in the back of of a Mercedes, yeah, drop top, two-door Mercedes, Um, not brand new. We're talking like a 2012, 13 Mercedes, but uh, it had the uh, what do you call it? Like the canvas top. You know they yeah, only the, bust. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They only bust it out for the summer. You know it's like a family <laughs> thing that they do. Um, but yes, it it uh, it was a good run, and I've got a great guest. You guys know that I don't fuck around with guests on this show. If you don't know who I'm talking about already, uh, you should probably get with the fucking program. Uh, you know, let me give you a hint. Berm notice. Berm after reading. Feel the berm. Berming cross on your black neighbor's front lawn. Jason Bermis is back in the fucking building. How long has it been? Gotta be a while. Gotta be probably over a year, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's been quite a while. And, and you know what's crazy? Probably the most has happened in the span that we've, we've, since we last spoke. I mean, the last time that we spoke, I think, was when they were just starting to introduce or like, you know, like propose the idea that vaccines need to be mandated. Like, that's how how long ago we spoke. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, you and I were both like, well, I don't know, that's, you know precedents that could be set there. And, um, you know, now fast forward to today and you're seeing articles being written about people dying mysteriously of blood clots and the thickening of the blood and, and heart, uh, issues. And, and, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing articles now, usually in foreign, uh, media outlets, but they are saying that people who are boosted or are, are getting infected at a much higher rate than everybody else. I mean, let me, let's, let's just, I want to list because I, I want to give you what my thoughts are, and then I'm going to let you go off a little bit, and then we're, we'll jump into more of a normal conversation. But I want to have, I want to let you have a little soliloquy here at the beginning. You have all of the, like I said, with the the vaccine and things that are seem to be implying that hey, maybe the vaccine wasn't the best way to go. Um, you have economies across the world crumbling. You have leaders resigning. You have, uh, you know, mass shootings and Roe v. Wade and. Uh, you know, uh, global inflation, you have, you know, these, these things that are happening all over the world, you have the threat of nuclear war, Um, all of these things happening simultaneously, it feels like we're leading up to something big, it feels like we're in the rising action of the story, and we're at the top of it right before we hit the climax, am I wrong about that? I mean, I guess it's, 
it all varies on your perspective. If you want to talk about a great time of acceleration towards a globalist purpose, uh, what I've been talking about for some time, not only a new world order, because I would argue at this point, we really are living uh, in the genesis of that quote-unquote global governance and new world order with the UN as the figurehead and the World Health Organization with a monopoly on truth, right? Uh, For instance, just this week, the World Health Organization announced there are no longer two genders. And if anybody knows about YouTube's policy, I got another video taken down yesterday. They didn't Thank you for not kicking me off and taking my platform. They said I must not have known. This is a video from over a year and a half ago. There was absolutely no medical misinformation, but I'm really not even allowed to say the word vaccine or COVID-19 or mRNA or vector-based shots. Uh, For example, uh, I, I just gave a speech in Myrtle Beach on the Reawaken America tour. A lot of conservatives there. Jason Burmas, not a conservative. Right. Uh, but they gave me the opportunity to talk about transhumanism, Elon Musk, and space warfare. And I often cite this NASA document from 2001, which is a blueprint for what we're seeing now. So if you're wondering why all of this seems to be coming to fruition, I would uh, advise people to go check out. It's a real thing. Future Strategic Issues and Future Warfare by Dennis Bushnell, who is still the chief scientist at NASA Langley Research Center. Okay, this is a 2001 document. And in this document, which I mean, absolutely 100% talks about, look, what are we talking about? Worldwide technological revolutions, economic trends, and the potential nature of farther term warfare, bots, Borgs, humans, 2025. It's two and a half years away. And this is a joint document with DARPA, the Australian DOD, the National Reconnaissance Office, the CIA, Office of Naval Intelligence. This is a globalist document and where they want to go. And they tell you that all of the things they discuss here are based upon existing data trends, analysis, and technologies. No pixie dust. This is the real deal. And they tell you also that procurement decisions and um, technology take about 40 years to produce, but they inventory them for at least 15 plus before they give them to the public. Okay, That's a minimum, by the way. That's a minimum. Yes, absolutely. And you look at this right here, going in assumptions, politics can and does change overnight. Russia, Iran, both in the news this week, Iraq, Pakistan, political capabilities. What is the future issue? And they predict, and this is what I got in trouble for, you know, they talk a lot about the IT bio nano revolutions, that the bio nano era of humankind will happen in 2020. Well, I basically said in this lecture, which got me in trouble, that no matter what you believe about the shots, and we can get into those in a moment, no matter what you want to say, the best thing since breakfast, the most devastating bioweapon ever, they are in fact bio-nanotechnology. And that technology, mRNA or vector, was injected into billions of people beginning in 2020. They started rolling them out late November, early December, 2020. That is when we entered that age. Now, they don't know how long this is going to take, but eventually they want to bring us into what's known as the virtual age. And they expand upon that in this. But Dennis Bushnell in 2020 put out an entire document. And I have him over and over again discussing it. This is the merging of human beings with machines and eventually uploading our consciousness. So if it seems like this is being steamrolled at an incredible pace, 
there's a document that outlines why. They, this thing talks about CNN syndrome. It talks about terror attacks in the continental United States, exploiting the bodies. This is a pre-9-11 document, okay? Talks about using Trojan horse civilian systems, AKA Google, YouTube, SpaceX. Musk ain't your friend. The Musker nuts ain't your buddy, everybody. He's the number one Defense Department contractor on the globe. He's goading Russia into a nuclear war, and he's launching Starlink satellites along with their Blackjack DARPA counterparts that are linking up to drones, which are striking military targets, the ghosts and the sidewinders. And now they've accused the United States and the UK of hybrid warfare giving the Ukrainians long-range missile uh, systems on the ground. And we already know the CIA is down there. It's 100% conserved, uh, confirmed. The United States are running the day-to-day -day operations on the ground. Wow, the Russian space minister, because space is about high-level warfare, guys. You're not going to the moon or Mars. That's not real, okay? That's that's Hollyweird nonsense that you've believed because ever since you've been a kid, you've watched shows and movies about it, and your parents watched shows and movies about it and heard it on the radio and saw it in the comic books. It's imagination land, okay? What's real is the hyperspace warfare that started via the 80s and the strategic initiative I'm sorry, the Strategic Defense Initiative Program under Reagan, 83, cover of Time Magazine. This guy has said he can nuke all of the NATO nations within 30 minutes. And guess what? It was reported yesterday they sent him into the Ukraine. Yeah. Well, and the, the interesting thing, too, about space is, you know, in America in particular, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how other countries view, uh, you know, government uh, interest in space but in america we have a very uh, uh a very like oh space is for exploration type of mentality we have neil degrasse tyson and we had carl sagan and by the way i, I don't dislike those two i think they were probably if they had their way they, they it would be for exploration but that's just not the we have john bolton Okay, the John Boltons of the world are going to skull rape the Neil deGrasse Tysons of the world, and they're going to say, "Listen, bitch, what? What? Yeah, you can explore. Go play in the sand. We're going to be building nuclear warheads that can be shot from the fucking the upper level of the stratosphere directly into Putin's mouth. That's what they care about. And you know what's also bizarre to me is that when when you bring this up, like when, whenever I've brought this up about this." initiative to merge uh, uh, robotics and technology with the human brain and biology. And I've said in the past, I was like, this is not, it's not necessarily all a bad idea, but the problem is the people that are pushing it aren't necessarily the most benign people. And people always go, oh, that's, I mean, that's the, right now, the, the uh, chip in the head is the furthest conspiracy. That's the, that's the one that you're really reaching for straws at this point, you know? Well, that's it's, too bad because, you know, this document um, for right. those naysayers right here, I mean, right in it, they talk about beyond human AI, automatics, robotics in the large, um, real level VR holodecks, okay? And by the way, everybody is now getting accustomed to VR devices in their home. The World Economic Forum has merged with Facebook for the metaverse. They have an entire page on metaverse, on their governance. They're pushing it. They had two different forums 
on this, okay, um, for everybody uh, that doesn't believe me there, and the guy that wrote that document, by the way, Dennis Bushnell, you think the brain chip is a conspiracy. I have him on video in 2011 discussing how they've already put 10,000 brain chips in people. And then before, before you even go into it, I just want to make a point too, to to aid what you're saying. The companies and the people that you're bringing up are are the people that have all of a sudden kind of become news, coinciding with the period in history right now where data mining and selling people's, you know, tracking people, knowing people's history, knowing people's that like all of this. When you say upload human consciousness, people usually they they move away and they go whoa whoa but it's like they're kind of like at the very simplistic level your shopping habits are that like what what's i don't understand targeted marketing is that I don't, i'm not entirely sure why you think that this is a far-fetched theory when when you speak to people in a public space and go home and notice that what you spoke about an hour earlier is now an ad on your Instagram uh, feed. Like why all of a sudden are you now backing away? Why are you shying away from the theory that there is an attempt to be able to see into the masses uh, way of thinking and how they feel, uh, you know, their emotions, their con and their consciousness. Like I, I don't understand where the disconnect is. Because everybody will agree that there's targeted marketing and that their iPhone listens to them and that they fucking... But when you Im immediately when you assign a motive to that, then all of a sudden they're like, well, no, well, that can't be. It's like, no, I think you're just a little nervous. You might be a little nervous and you're not entirely sure what's going on and that's why you shy away from it. You don't want to think about it because if worse comes to worse, which I think it will, these people are attempting to hack your fucking thoughts that's what they want that's what they want I, I wish it wasn't what they want or what they've put on paper or what they've done behind closed doors and now are putting out into the public uh to talk about why it occurs that you start talking to people and all of a sudden you have these targeted marking ads uh i've been covering this for many years now specifically on a software called alfonso which anybody can go check out uh, it is automated content recognition. And it's not just on your phone. It's on every smart device you can imagine. So you get around the federal law of having to wiretap by saying, hey, we're not recording conversations. Hey, a human being isn't listening in. Instead, we've created software and an algorithm that in real time uses a different meta uh, method to decrypt auditory noises and then of course video recognition this is auto content automated content recognition and that's how they not only distribute these ads to you but then market to other people okay that's real that's live time when you talk about the holodeck stuff that you just saw this virtual environment that they're getting ready for the upload of consciousness and i'm unfortunately going to have to play that clip too where dennis bushnell says that's where it ends and at the end of the day, the best we can hope for is we become the machines, they become us, or you end up with human contaminated machines. Those are his own words, okay? In the virtual universe right now, we're seeing the commercialized headsets. The World Economic Forum has already put out uh, videos where you don't even need the haptic suit 
from Ready Player One. Many people are familiar with the idea that I'm, and now with uh, Upload, I'm going to get into this suit and I'm going to feel like I'm anywhere. Not necessary. <laughs> Not, let me repeat that. Not necessary. So how would they make you feel like you would be somewhere? Well, you would have been in a location where um, haptic, auditory, and magnetic waves that you don't hear, but instead push pressure on your body everywhere as sensors see where you go will give you the real feeling of touch. And then, of course, with smell, they can pump that in, you know, by having those scents uh, on demand. Five sense virtual reality on the way to tricking you into believing that you can upload your consciousness. And if you do take a calm type type device right now, Neuralink is the most popular because Elon Musk is a front man for that as well. That will interface directly with your endorphin systems. In fact, another document that I would encourage people to uh, read, uh, other than just the Bushnell documents, there's a couple of them. Uh, we'll bring that one up. Is this RAND document about human brain interfaces? Okay. And when I talk about the World Economic Forum, what I'd like to let people know is that in 2020, before the COVID-1984 nightmare, they did a full forum on when, not if, when humans become cyborgs. And this woman that introduces it is so happy. She literally leads the speech with, uh, we will start the forum on when humans become cyborgs. I personally cannot wait until I become a cyborg. <laughs> like, she looks like she's going to cry. She can't wait, dude. Like, these are the people we're dealing with. Dude, it's, it feels like everybody who's evil right now is either from Germany or somewhere in Scandinavia. She's Chinese, this woman. But, but, but you know oh. what? Let's bring a little bit of that up um, because it's just so unbelievable. I've, I've downloaded- How the Chinese are evil? Let's- Yeah, come on. This is what it's the podcast not, listen, is the for. Chinese, in my opinion, are not quote-unquote evil. There are 1.2 billion of them. Unfortunately, yeah. um, they are the model, okay? It's just like everybody got up in arms in 2017 that was paying attention to privacy issues when it leaked out that uh, Google was making a censored version of their search engine for China. It was called Dragonfly, okay? And Eric Schmidt was on his way out and he got called out on it. And he, you know, basically said, go talk to Sergey Brin. He's the boss now. I'm not the boss. Yeah. <laughs> and then now I hate it when I hear people talk about Chinese style censorship. Hey bro, you live in this country? It's here, it's just censorship. So that model of that same search engine is there. So when Google employees also walk the fuck out because they don't want to work on secret drone warfare programs, you best believe that, yeah, those drones might be utilized over in Yemen or now uh, Ukraine or any other place, the United States and its allies are in battle. But if you don't think those will eventually be used against us, you're in imagination land. This is a reality. And, you know, let's let's do it. Let's do it live. Let's play this Dennis Bushnell clip for the audience. Yeah. And this is, again, the same guy behind these uh, two documents that I was just showing you, Future Strategic Warfare. And then the other one here, uh, I did not bring up and show, but we will show everybody. Another, again, NASA document, Disruptive Technologies and Their Punitive Impacts Upon Society and Aerospace, Entering the Virtual Age. This is it, guys. They're not playing around here. Um, you know, again, in the When Humans Become Cyborgs forum, they talked about a collective swarm-like insect intelligence. Lovely, because that's what humanity needs to strive for, everybody. The swarm Humans are now becoming cyborg. 
All right, you heard him. He, humans are now becoming cyborgs. Let's bring him right over here. Lovely gentleman, this God, person. God, of course his hairline's like that. Why oh my. fucking wouldn't it be? <laughs> humans are now becoming cyborgs. We have cochlear implants to hear, artificial retinas to see, artificial hearts to live, artificial limbs to move, artificial organs to functions, and brain chips. There's a couple hundred thousand people wandering around with brain chips now. Let me repeat that for you in case you missed it. This <laughs> is a 2018 speech. This guy is still yeah. the head of NASA four years later. In fact, he just gave a speech on aeronautics in June. I've been watching. Go ahead. To be to be 100% fair to NASA, their first leader was Werner von Braun. So they have to kind of keep, you know, they've set a model of their president and their, their leader as being kind of a horrible human being who wants to see the downfall of of races and groups of people that they just have deemed not worthy. So they're kind of, at, at least they're consistent, NASA. That's what we're going to give them. They're pretty consistent. Well, you consistent. can't create the Uber mention without, you know, breaking a few eggs. So this is 200,000 people with human brain interfaces. Now he's also... Gonna all tell white. You I guarantee you, all white. Because you go into fucking Harlem, there's nobody, <laughs> no black guy is gonna get a fucking chip in his head. He's gonna go go. Well, fuck again, your who's mother. who's volunteering for this? They're bringing it out commercially. I'll show that in a moment. Okay. Uh, it's pretty wild how they're doing so. But he's gonna mention Elon Musk as well because Elon's the best thing since breakfast. Affects congenitally defective brains and increasingly affects memory and other things. DARPA's working on brain shifts for super soldiers. And people are now working thanks to uh, Musk and other people funding uh, direct machine brain communications. The, the, it's not us versus them, us versus the machines. We're merging. And this is the human evolution of the humans. There is no more natural evolution of anything. People are convinced that the human evolution of everything is 10 million times faster than any natural evolution. So that's it. We're evolution is over except for what we do. Okay. And then, you know, this can take a second to skip to, but I want people to understand where does it all end up if this is the way it goes. Okay. The machines are okay. Not only the machines taken over, but what do you end up with at the end of the day? Give them a, a nice little minute and a half here. He'll describe to be better there will be essentially no jobs the machines cannot do we currently have creative software that that, that are doing ideation just as good or better than humans now uh the creative jobs will be the last ones to go but but, but i have not been able to discern any jobs the machines cannot do as machine intelligence and all the rest of, of the autonomous robotics develops so now we're to your question Okay, what do you do with these people? Uh, there's essentially three options. Uh, you covered one, which is the, the guaranteed income. Notice the UBI is a part of this. All right, so universal basic income, don't worry, the robots are going to do everything for you, but that's just a trick. And the machines can produce the productivity, the wealth necessary to pay this, it's just the machines do the work instead of the people. Yes, you have to change the cultural uh, milieu, but, but uh, you know, this is eventually doable. Uh, this, is the, this is only one approach. Uh, the second approach is the fact that uh, 
what's changed since you last looked at this is the whole technology level. And we humans are now converting ourselves into cyborgs. Uh, we now have artificial retinas, artificial hearts. Uh, we have brain chips. Uh, DARPA is working on brain chips for super soldiers. Uh, we can have a, a high bandwidth COM port uh, built in so, so we don't have to use the sensors and they're very limited uh, bandwidth. And, and eventually this all ends up with, with uploading into the machines. And instead of us versus them, humans versus the machines, we become them or they become us. Or you end up with human contaminated machines. Not this is honestly, you know what these, these two fucking uh, monologues are? They're a fucking... Uh, like a like a marketing campaign for Annie Jacobson books because she's been right about literally fucking everything. By the and way, you know I'm, on, she's I'm on your book, screen, right? you know. I'm on I'm on she's your screen your right book. now. Who's that? I'm on what? your screen right now. Oh, you are on my Oh, that's right. I've got the wrong thing up here. I'm sorry. Sir. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I was going to I was delayed. I was like I was looking at myself. I was like, is this the machine? <laughs> is this is this the chip? Shit! I knew I got well, chipped. Annie's working on a new book that she says is terrifying. I've been following her on Twitter. She's a great follow. Um, those are great reads. Uh, for those not familiar with her work, you know she starts with Area Fifty One because she's at a dinner party and somebody who worked at the site uh, started telling her, "Boy, have I got a story for you!" Because all of a sudden, some of the uh, programs that they were working on this black site including lockheed martin and skunk works the ox cart program had become to be uh began 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 to become declassified so she starts there she starts realizing oh wow area 51 is not about aliens at all <laughs> it's all about uh weapon systems spying high tech etc and then she realizes there's a bunch of nazis involved so she decides she's going to do a book about Operation Paperclip. She does that incredible work. And then she expands her work into DARPA, uh, the Pentagon's brain. That was gets- the one that turned. And if here's the thing. Just for fun, that would be the one. If you're going to read one, that's the one. Pentagon's brain. You realize that, like, I mean, here's, 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 even for, like, boomers. Read that one because the biggest war in their minds the, like older like younger people don't seem to have too much of an issue outside of like the super left latching on to the idea that government cannot be trusted and they do nefarious shit older generations seem to have trouble with it and if there's one thing that i could recommend anybody who's listening to this i looked at my audience base it's from 25 to 40 that's the high count jason that's where we're peaking you 40-year-olds and anybody who ha- – like all the 25-year-olds and your parents, have them read The Pentagon's Brain. And basically what it'll, it goes into a, a bunch of other shit besides what I'm about to tell you. But it will explain to them how Vietnam, the Vietnam War, was really just kind of a playground for DARPA. They were experimenting with new technology. Obviously, we staged the Gulf of Tonkin incident. We had, you know, we were fighting communist insurgency, and we were really cared about the people in Vietnam who didn't want to be a part of a communist regime, even though they're, that's, you know, that's fucking not true at all, and that's pretty provable with a very simple Google, um, not even not Google, like a DuckDuckGo search. 
Not even DuckDuckGo. They bought DuckDuckGo. I'm getting fucked, Jason. I, I had DuckDuckGo on my extensions. But the point is, if you read that and you show them that Vietnam, something that they're probably already teetering about, that like, yeah, we really fucked up there, and you show them, yeah, we had malignant intentions and we did it for a reason. We did it for a reason. DARPA had some things they wanted to test out. They had some sensors and some new weapons, and they had the Ho Chi Minh Trail where they put a bunch of shit. And that will, like, that is the best book, I think, that could turn the older generations over to realizing some of the um, very malignant intentions that the upper echelons of our defense apparatus has. That's well, my let me say best this. bet. You know, her follow-up, um, you know, she does a book called First Platoon, okay? Yep. Uh, and she also does uh, Surprise Kill Vanish, which is about covert CIA assassination. So at least in that respect, you get the idea that, hey, wait a minute, these guys do kill people covertly. That's not just something I watch in The Born Identity. But First Platoon is specifically about that next wave of technology being beta tested in the Middle East during the war on terror and in Afghanistan, the smart dust stuff, et cetera. A lot of the stuff that's in that document that we talked about. Um, so yes, I, I, I think that, I think that any of her books will let you know that we're not being told the whole story. She does so in a manner where she's not Jason Burmis and she kind of gives the benefit of the doubt to, um, you know, the most altruistic of intentions, even if, it's some of the darkest things that you read. She, she stays on the fence very well. And for those that um, maybe have trouble sitting down and reading or finding the time, I encourage them to get it on audiobook. You know, everybody takes a yeah. drive sometimes. And those things, she reads them all. Some of them are going to take you 14 to 20 hours to listen to. But I got to tell you, it, it's totally worth it. And I saw, she's not saying what her new book is about, okay? But I, I have a, I, I'm almost 100% sure it's going to be on transhumanism. She's uh, talked about how the subject matter terrifies her and it's pretty unbelievable and unreal and unsettling. And I'm not kidding you when I say she posted a picture. I think I, I retweeted it of what the, the first draft of the book looked like. It was this high. Yeah, <laughs> it was this yeah. high. So we're talking about, you know, this is a woman who puts out books that are between 400 and 600 pages worth reading. And it looked like she had about 1500 pages on this bad boy. Shit. <laughs> I fucking hate I hate books over 700 pages. I hate books over like 300 pages. I get I like I get turned off in the bookstore. Speaking of which, speaking of killing foreign leaders and and meddling in foreign countries, did you hear the story? And this happened a while ago. This was a while. This may have been 8 months ago. There was a guy arrested off the coast of Venezuela. Um with like multiple machine guns and uh a, a like m like tens of pounds of C4 American citizen. Wasn't he, it two people? I thought I it was, I thought it was just one. I thought it was one guy and he was from Tennessee. And the only news story that was ran on it was a local Tennessee, uh, uh, media outlet. He was taken, he was arrested, taken in as political prisoner. And, uh, his he worked for a private security company and I forget the name of it now. I I covered it on one of my solo episodes like months ago. But he worked for a security company that has like kind of like nobody really openly works with the CIA, but it's about as open as it could possibly get in the sense that they were they were using the the BCCI or the 
the the BIIC, whatever it was, the same bank like entity that uh, the CIA was using when they were running weapons and drugs during the fucking uh, when we were supplying the Sandinista rebels. Uh, Iran conscious, sir. Right. Yes, that's they were using that same uh, laundering entity, um, and he worked for a company that was using that and had used it like for quite a long time. And that is open. I know that is open like information. But this guy who worked for a company who was using that same money laundering apparatus was arrested off the coast of Venezuela, right near uh, an oil field, their biggest oil field. Uh, with machine guns, C4, and uh, and no documentation. Yeah, so that's uh, back all the way in September 14th of 2020. Uh, this is actually the Washington Post did a national story oh, wow. on it. I had not heard this. Yeah. Um, it was very under the radar. We're talking about a year and a half ago. But it fits, right? That is basically, um, as you know, as a lot of people should know but don't seem to, uh, it's over in this country. We openly have a secret military that's working inside and out that has zero accountability, that doesn't even have an official name. Uh, this was written by William M. Arkin uh, over a year ago now. I actually contacted him, and I was trying to get him on the program, and then the Ukrainian situation went wild. He said, get back to me after Ukraine. <laughs> yucka, yucka, yucka. Yeah. I'm hoping I still get him on because this also lays out the blueprint for what they're doing, what is outside of posi comitatus, and posi comitatus is the separation of the military and the police. They're not allowed to run domestic operations in the United States. This eradicates it. You, you know, you read the first paragraph of this thing. The largest undercover force the world has ever known is the one created by the Pentagon over the past decade. Some 60,000 people now belong to a secret army, many working under masked identities and in low profile, all part of a broad program called signature reduction the force more than 10 times 10 times 10 times the size of the clandestine elements of the cia carries out domestic and foreign assignments both in military uniform uh and under civilian cover in real life and online yes the bot trolls are these people too sometimes hiding in hiding in private businesses and consultancies the trojan horse civilian systems we talked about earlier some of them household name companies now he follows this gentleman who's got an identity created for him, has fake license plates, has fake ID cards, is able to get into databases to create that identity and alter that identity as though he's, he is a real person. And then you get down when I was talking about the technologies that are utilized. Um, this one right here should blow people's minds. You think that you're looking at a hand, looks a lot like a hand. Instead, what you're looking at is a skin glove that goes over anybody's hand. Anybody's biometric information can be put on it. In other words, whatever fingerprint and handprint you want. And it also emits human oils. Let me repeat that. <laughs> and it also emits human oils. Wait, when was this from? This is this, last year. This is last wow. May. It is a must read, take about 30 minutes. They also show you, um, you know, full-on identities here. But let me let me show you this. Back in the '80s, <clears throat> um, the CIA had already created masks so good that they walked into George H. W. Bush's office in mask as an employee, and he had no idea who it was. Let's type it in. So wow. George 
H H W Bush CIA mask. Daily Mail gave some nice photographs for this one, and there it is. Uh, you know, again, this is a 2019. This is in the early 90s. They had this Mission Impossible type technology. There she is, you know, briefing him, talking to him, and there she really is. And you know, again, this is the stuff they're declassifying. Wow. They had faces and disguises that were so good then that, you know, forget about it. And now they have the biometric top uh, technology to boot. Well, I'm just happy it was a woman and, and she got an opportunity. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, seriously, how badass that lady was, how sociopathic she had to be to rise to that position in the late 80s and early 90s? A lot of people don't talk about that aspect of the military, but. You would be a fool not to acknowledge. Again, you would have to be in denial of basic biology and the true power structure of the world, which is male-dominated. Let's not lie about it. It is, yeah. okay? Where you're in a culture where people are absolutely sexist, okay? Um, absolutely deceptive, absolutely career-minded, absolutely cutthroat, especially there. And she made it up to a very upper echelon position. And I, I guarantee that woman was no token. You yeah. know what I mean? And it just shows you that no matter what sex you are or gender or whatever, if at least back then, if you had the meritocracy to do nefarious shit, come on in. Yeah. <laughs> come on in. <laughs> that's what's, that's what's, it's almost respectable about like, about the CIA and the FBI and the fucking, you know, these, I always, I always call them, really, it's, it's a Travis Scott song. It's called Upper Echelon. And I, I've, I describe the people that when I say they're doing dark, nefarious, uh, you know, off radar shit, it's the upper echelon of society. And it really, it's not the people that you see on CNN or Fox. It's not them. It's probably people, you know, that you've heard about. You maybe saw in one interview, like the the president of BlackRock. Maybe not even him. I don't know. But when I say, when I'm telling you, like, these people, when I say the upper echelon, that's what I'm referring to. Some people call them the Illuminati. Some people call them the swamp. You know, whatever. I refer to them as the upper echelon, which I respect. I call them credit class, man, because the ones they that are, are absolutely doing the... Uh the nefarious shit are, are the ones at the top. But then you got somebody like Bushnell, who we just showed you, right? Yeah. He's the chief scientist for NASA. Now, he's no not pussy. He gets no pussy. This is the problem with these people, and this is why they're angry and they want to control uh, humanity. They get no pussy. If they got pussy, there's a reason why a construction worker is content with jackhammering in New York City in the fucking oily heat of New York City and eating shit fucking hot dogs. Yeah, that's right. I said it, New York City. Those hot dogs that you serve on those fucking, on those street carts, the shit. They're shit. The euros are good, but the hot dogs are shit. They're fine with that because they're going home and they're getting pussy. If you get no pussy, you Zuckerberg your way up and you fucking find a way to control everything and everybody to a point where they satisfy your needs because if you don't get your set if your if your needs are not satisfied for the first 30 years of your life you be you get a goal in your mind that hey i want to make everybody i want to make everybody satisfy my needs <laughs> well let me just say this about bushnell okay he's kind okay. of one of these lifelong bureaucrats that's behind the scenes he's been around since the gemini days so in other words he's been around pre-apollo everybody he yeah. also, if you read the Pentagon's brain, uh, was running the Jason Group. And uh, for those that don't know what the Jason Group is, it's it's not an acronym for anything. For some reason, they just called it the coolest name in the world, yeah. Jason. 
Yeah. And wasn't it? Month- wasn't it with a Y though? Is J Y S O N? I I don't know if that Y is there. I think you're I think you're uh, insinuating things here. I don't, I don't think know. S O N. I'm pretty sure it's just straight Jason capitalized. But he would oversee these things, and he's got a ton of patents. Uh, some of them nuclear in nature. Very very intelligent guy. He works for the National Security Apparatus. In fact, in the second half of that clip, if I brought it up, he talks about how he he laughs when someone asks him about space warfare, basically. They ask him about the satellites not being satellites anymore, etc. So he knows about all these things. He kind of manages the technology and then goes around from the defense contractors to the Pentagon apparatuses and what are we going to use and how are we going to commercialize this? What are we going to do behind the scenes? He's that guy. And then you have kind of the administrators that are in the front, right? But again, they're all bureaucrats that you don't see. You're always seeing somebody in a space helmet. We've got a black woman going to the moon. It's going to be diversity. You know, they put out people like Elon Musk to tell you rockets are the best thing since breakfast. But then what you really have is administrators here like Michael Griffin, who bring Elon Musk in. And they really work for the Central Intelligence Agency as well. And it allows for DARPA to slip in their lovely little blackjack satellites and Mandrake 2s on ride-along programs with SpaceX. Uh, here's the Actually, there was a launch on Thursday. That's where he's making his actual money. I mean, this is all public knowledge. They're moving military cargo anywhere around the world in an hour. So you got all these bureaucrats behind the scenes that are cutting these deals. The Central Intelligence Agency itself started Google, okay? Google partnered with NASA to achieve quantum supremacy. They're really behind all the AI and what you're seeing weapons-wise. We already discussed the drone warfare, okay? Anybody can read how the CIA made Google. We funded it. It was through, this is literally on NPR, NQTEL, which is what we pay for, are the ones that brought that in. And so now they have this fake, uh, you know, company that is by any definition a monopoly, okay? And I call it a technopoly. Think about it, folks. Alphabet owns Google and YouTube. Google's the number one search engine in the world, in the world. (laughs) The number two search engine in the world is YouTube. The number one video platform in the world is YouTube. The number one operating system in the world on most devices is what? It's uh, Android, okay? The number one browser in the world is Chrome. If that is not a monopoly, I don't know what is. And then they play it off as though it's not a military industrial complex uh, system. It absolutely is. Just like Twitter is. That's why Elon Musk is out there prancing around like he's going to buy it. If Elon Musk buys it, you think anything's going to get better? You think Jason Burmis is getting a, a, a blue check mark? You think they're not running the same damn algorithms? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> of yeah. course they are. They might take away the fact checks on the side, right? And then act like they're more fair. But he's already talked about freedom of speech versus freedom of reach, okay? My thing is this, you want true free speech, you got to bring it back all the way back when Google had the don't be evil thing on their wall. Remember that was their their bag? It was don't be evil. No, I don't even remember that. Oh, you don't even know about that? Well, for those, let's, let's, if I just type in don't be evil, okay, I don't even have to type in Google guys. 
That's how, that's how real this is. They took it down over a decade ago around right there. So don't be evil. They used to have this on their wall in the Google font. Okay. And at some point they just decided to take it down. They're like, we're done with the don't be evil. We're going for it. We don't care. And for those that don't know, YouTube was a real upstart. And then Google video came along and a guy like Jason Burmis utilized Google video with his film, loose change and a bunch of fans uploaded it in different languages. And all of a sudden that platform challenged YouTube. It was better than YouTube and then bought up YouTube for $8 billion. And, uh, apparently somewhere along the way it became evil yeah loose change by the way if you haven't seen it already you're a fucking fag and you gotta go watch it i mean it do you remember uh I, you know what i was watching actually the other day maybe it like it literally made me message you it was uh it was an old democracy now interview that you were on and you were talking about 9-11 and I fucking, I, I forget, but I remember the, like, I remember seeing the looks on the people's faces when you just started really going in. Like, you had a, and what, I, here's the thing, they gave you, like, a minute to two minutes uninterrupted. Nobody said anything. And I forget what it was, but, like, you went off. And I remember looking at the faces of the panel, and I was like, oh, man, the, the uncomfortability yeah. in the room. Mm -hmm. had to have been so thick so wet like a nice fat girl pussy like a like a <laughs> like an obese woman's pussy that's what that room was like it was fucking cr it, it was insane and i remember i was like in my head i was like if i would have been there i feel like the only way i would have been able to break the tension is to just make a horrendously racist joke it was it would have been the only way like if you would have said all of that and i would have went the blacks huh and everybody was like, hey, I'd rather go here. I'd rather go entertain a, a truly racist joke than actually acknowledge the facts, by the way, that you were you were telling on the show. By the way, let me ask you this. Just from the – like coming out of those documentaries that you did, like early on, what was like, you know, the, the – the, three months after you released it, like, what was that like? Was it mostly just people constantly going, you're a piece of shit. People died on 9-11. You're a fucking horrible. You have no idea. People sacri... Was it that, or was it more... Were you surprised at how many people who came out and said, you know what, you're right? Bro, I was on it so much before Loose Change that I'd already kind of gone through all that, that right. I was a piece of shit and this and that, especially in person. I was handing out CDRs of, you know videos that i had put into folders and yeah. you know people knew me too so like if you knew me um i was a bar guy i was a party guy you know we were smoking blunts together and drinking until three four in the morning hanging out you know what i'm saying yeah um and i was a guy that was going to school i was a beauty school dropout at that point um but you know i i'd gone for basically uh graphic design that's how i'm pretty slick with all this stuff and i thought i was going to be an animator and that's how i fell into the, the film business of it but uh, of course, when it for I I wasn't involved in the very first loose change. I got involved in loose change second edition. Okay, so I had seen all these documentaries, and when I found the original loose change on a torrent site, I literally was like, "This is going to change the world." I actually prayed to God. Um, I mean, I'm not a religious guy. I tell this story because it's real. Was that uh, Alex in your ear? He was like, "Jason, Jason, listen to me. You have to." Find <laughs> I'd seen. I'll tell you what. I'd seen Alex Jones's Road to Tyranny before I saw Loose Change. 
And I, uh, that's where I expanded from 9-11 um, because I wanted to prove that little redneck wrong, right? Like when I first saw him, I'm like, I'm gonna prove this redneck wrong. This is insane. You know, the new world order, what are you talking about? And there were some points in that movie that I agreed with, some I did not. And it took me a while, but you know, I did, I did my own thing with it. I definitely, you know, we were, we were censored and kind of like fact check before the fact check came around. It was debunked. Right. Yeah. And there were certainly a lot of people that were mad, but there were a lot of people once they, I knew if I could get somebody to watch it, the chances that they were going to be mad at me after were very slim because, you know, time and time again, you know, we would do these screenings wherever and, you know, somebody's girlfriend or boyfriend or dad or mom or brother and sister would take them to this thing. And they would where they were coming begrudgingly. They were like part of the anti-war movement left and they didn't want to be in Iraq or something like that. But you're right, like you said, they still thought I was a piece of shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so they come in and they'd be very standoffish, especially because we'd be in the front and talking to people and they'd come over and they'd be like, Yeah, okay, you know. And then they watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then they come out, head down, hand out, and be like, hey man, I'm, I just want to apologize for the way I treated you. Um, I totally understand where you're coming from now. I'm I'm really sorry. I'm gonna have to watch it again. And I'd say thank you, man. I'm glad thank you, you know. And I'd yeah. have that human moment. Going back to what you were discussing about democracy now, I put just a little itty bitty clippy of that in my film Invisible Empire and New World Order Defined, because that actually took place with James Meggs of Popular Mechanics, who at first they did a hit piece in their magazine debunking 9-11 truth. And then they did a whole book, him and David Dunbar, the other gentleman that was sitting with him. Oh, I didn't uh, see. The, I didn't know that. Yeah, they wrote a whole book. It was like a bestseller. So Popular Mechanics became kind of like the debunking mouthpiece. And it was Amy Goodman on the fifth anniversary of 9-11 in New York City that put that together. So what you were watching is fifth anniversary of New York City. Ten, uh, over 10,000 people showed up down there. Investigate 9-11 tees. We handed out thousands of copies of the film. You name it. And this was the precursor to that. And I was actually scheduled uh, to go on Glenn Beck's program, which was on CNN at the time. It was before he had jumped to Fox News and go against, uh, uh, what was it, Megs alone. They canceled me right after that. I ate those guys up for breakfast. Like you said, they looked very uncomfortable. And this is probably the most notorious line from the whole thing, folks. And even take on some of my detractors. The answer is no, they cannot. Jason, I think it's it's telling that every time you disagree with something, you call the people a liar. I'm not calling anybody a liar, sir. I'm calling you a liar because you are a liar. <laughs> <laughs> and he is, and he knew he was a liar. And now yeah. that guy is literally all over the History Channel as one of their talking heads uh, on like the Food That Built America series and all yeah, that I other know. bullshit. You see James Meggs everywhere. All, really all, by the way, all... Almost, I think, I think I know, I think I watched something of his recently and it was talking about how like African tribes catch bugs to eat. And it was like, like, it was just, and not that I'm not diminishing that. I'm sure they do that. And it's a very nice thing that they, it's a culture. It's not nice. I wish they had more, but, uh, it's like the shit that he does is not like groundbreaking earth shattering historical research let's be honest with ourselves this guy's kind of a he's not um he's not on the he's very much a gatekeeper editor that's what his job was he was the main editor and really interesting 
uh, thing about Megs that got brought up years. Just I found out a few years ago. He's a rapist. Uh, there's a great book out there called Chaos, and it's the story of Charles Manson, the CIA, the FBI in yep. the 60s. Okay, so the way that that book comes into fruition is the author of that uh, book, he started a magazine article, okay, and his editor was James Meggs. And he canceled now, it. Well, kind, I mean, Meggs let him work on it a couple of years before it got canceled, which I thought was kind of surprising, but it never made publish, okay? And then he basically went on this crusade and got the funding of, a, you know, a decade and a half plus investigation as he wrapped up this book and, and put it out there. And it's incredible. You know, it, it's very well documented. If you're not into reading the book, you can watch, you know, the interview with Joe Rogan, which I think approaches four hours and you at least get the cliff notes from the uh, author himself. Really interesting stuff. And just that connection to Meg's is is really interesting as well. That is interesting. Yeah, that Phil. Yeah, there is a a value in in the role of a filter, of a human filter, these days. You know, it's it's becoming. Here's what I will say. What I don't mind about like the time that we're living in right now is it's becoming more and more difficult for these gatekeepers to filter out the shit that they don't want the public to see, and. Obviously, with with that difficulty becomes a rise in value for gatekeepers, for the human filterers, and they're not keeping up. I feel like they're not keeping up. I think I, right now they still do have the power. A lot of these of, of these gatekeepers and a lot of the people that want to push the narrative that you and I are so against, they still are in the positions of power, but they are certainly not comfortable at the moment. Would you would you agree? It's tough, man. You know, I don't get that close to the real power structure. But when we talk about the media, for you get instance, closer. Right? I, I will say you get closer than the overwhelming majority of people who are on your side and think the way that you do. You're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I'm, you know, I'm especially, you know, even in this reawaken America tour, you know, like uh, and the next time I'm speaking, I'm speaking in Rochester. I think I am right before Eric Trump. And then I'm supposed to speak in Pennsylvania in October. I think I'm right after Mike Lindell. And, you know, I was able to have a conversation with Roger Stone at the meet and greet beforehand. That fucking uh, guy. <laughs> He's wild, dude. Exactly. That is kind of wild. And then on my way, the reason I bring that up is because on my way back uh, from the tour uh, and, and speaking, uh, New York Magazine called me up. Okay. So they, they got at me on Twitter. And normally, whenever I talk to a mainstream uh, media outlet, I say, look, I'm more than willing to talk to you. We're taping the conversation. And then after you write the piece, you're allowed to come on my show, which I want you to do so you can defend the piece for half an hour to an hour, or I release the raw interview. <laughs> and every time they come on, every time, because they don't want that raw interview out. And they're always hesitant because they don't necessarily trust me that I won't eventually put out the raw interview too. But yeah. I usually, I say, look, you can see my track record. I've done this before. You know, watch me with the Esquire guy. Watch me with the 9-11. Uh, they did a hit piece in the New York Times with Kevin Roos. They all decide to come on. The, the New York Times tried so hard. Like, they called me up after they'd agreed to all of it. And they're like, we can't do the let you tape thing. I go, then we can't do the interview. I go, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I go, yeah. this is my insurance. You come on my show after you run. If you don't want that insurance, we don't have to do the interview. Okay? 
So anyway, the New York Magazine person calls me up and I'm in my car, right? So I've got a big, I got a long trip. Actually, this was, yeah, yeah, this was on the way back from, uh, it had to be Myrtle Beach because I spoke there. And anyway, I, I taped the, uh, the conversation, but while we're talking, I, I didn't make her come on the show because it wasn't really about me. We're talking about some, some things in particular, and this is a person who's been in the mainstream media a long time. She's obviously, you know, a lefty, a Democrat, those type of things. And, you know, she's admitting to me on the phone, Joe Biden's nothing more than a puppet, that nobody's really happy right now, things like that. She also said something about that she would agree with me about a certain instance, but she doesn't want what happened to me to happen to her. <laughs> right. And you're like, wow. I, I mean, you're listening to the self-censorship of the authoritative sources, and then you read the smear piece, which is decent to me, because I was trashing Elon Musk, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and like, yeah. again, you know, she can put in my quotes that I think that Elon Musk is a dangerous person, which I do. And it kind of goes with her narrative anyway, because they're going with, he's a dangerous person because he wants to let free speech go on on Twitter, right? It's like kind of this, this double negative. I, yeah. I just say this. We see that no matter what things are pushing forward, we've not seen a, a true deviation of the power structure in centuries. Let me, let me repeat that. Not decades, centuries. You have these powerful families that own so much of the world's resources and infrastructure and have so much influence in not only the media, but the military industrial complex itself that they were able this year to hide Bilderberg till the day of and have it in DC. And then their lower level minions show up, you know, the players that want to get to that level, that generational level. Like you could argue that the Bush family, for instance, generationally got up to that level where they're almost at that upper echelon of dynasty predator class of a century, right? You got to get at least a century in. Same yeah. thing with the Kennedys. You know, Kennedy's, Joe Kennedy, they utilized the mafia, their intelligence connection, politics. They saw the, 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 the road to that, right? Still nowhere near the real power structure. But you send your minions from Goldman Sachs. You send your minions from Facebook. In fact, they sent Jan LeCun, who's the head of AI in the metaverse there this year. Lots of AI this year. You send your, your guys, your players that are going along with the program, want to be part of it, like Eric Schmidt and Peter Thiel, okay? Yeah. And I'm ashamed that I didn't go. I was, I, dude, every day I was looking up. Have they, have because traditionally now, it obviously it didn't take place the last couple of years, right? But traditionally they gave you at least a week window as to when it was going to be, right? Because they, they put up their website and they acted like they were gonna be transparent and all this other stuff over the last decade. <clears throat> the morning of, <laughs> the morning of they put it on their site and the, the thing my girlfriend uh she lives out in stafford virginia we've kind of been doing the back and forth thing where mm -hmm. i fly her out or i go over there or blah, blah 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 and so she uh she writes for the gateway pundit she very much has way more access than i do in fact before we went to the myrtle beach thing i was you talk about access i was sitting inside the uh one american news offices talking yeah. to uh, the head of One American News for an hour about these things, okay? And they get, offered me a job right there to go move to California and work with Pearson Sharp. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm not interested. Yeah. But you, you look at this stuff and 
the mode that they're doing, they're moving forward, man. They're moving forward. And I'm trying my best to warn people about this because the only chance we got is if we can make people aware that it's, you know, obviously Zombie J Poopy Pants isn't in charge. But it, but was Donald Trump really in charge? With Mike Pompeo and uh, Bill Barr and John Bolton and James Mattis as, as the guys that were part of that administration? Fuck no, he wasn't. And then on things he should have been able to do, you know, if you really thought he was going to drain the swamp at the end, you know, you look at that election craziness. You look at who he pardoned. It sure wasn't Julian Assange. Kodak Black. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you know, what I, I'm I actually dude, I did a I did a uh, an episode. The it was like a day after he he it came out that he was not going to pardon Assange. And for 30 minutes, I just insulted his looks, insulted his mannerisms. And at the time, because I was so interested in conspiracies and, you know, I hadn't built up the audience that I have. And so I was kind of had a like a like like a shell audience of just Trump supporters because they were the, the only ones who were willing to go along with it at the time. And so I just went for like 30 minutes of that episode and I lost half of my audience. And I was like, guys, guys, you couldn't have been serious with this guy, though. You could not have. They are. Yeah. Some of these people are all in, bro. Here's the thing. Look, it's it, and that's what I talked to, to Stone about. Just to kind of circle back to Bilderberg real quick. I happened to have fly, flown my girl out to Iowa. So, you know, I might have even jumped in my car and gone down on Thursday. That's a by the way, that's a. 14 and a half hour drive from where I live, DC, yeah. had she not been there and still tried to cover it. But when, when you talk about this, that's exactly what I said to Roger Stone. I said, Roger, I go, we both agree that Trump won the 2020 election by a lot, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And I go, and we both agree that we didn't have a system in place where he could even challenge the election, correct? Yeah. <laughs> and I go, why do you think the midterms are going to be any different that they wouldn't rig these with electronic voting or email voting or uh, emergency mandates, et cetera? And I go, if that happens, why in the world would I would he be able to to win in 2024 if he won in a landslide in 2020? And then I go, who's he going to put in his cabinet? Because your buddy John Bolton wasn't that great. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Barr didn't help anybody. You know, dad Mike wrote a book. Pompeo. Dad wrote a book about about having sex with children. That's a thing in space, uh. in space, <laughs> which is actually, by the way, you think maritime law is a fuckery. Wait till you get to international space law. I think you could probably fuck kids up there. I don't know. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that, you know, maritime law is tricky. And so is space law. Uh, it's it's kind of tricky. Um, it, so it's got to you know, really have a good answer for me. He said, you know, he's like, well, who would you want? And I said, well, Rand Paul is probably the best guy. I go, he's not his father, but. He goes, yeah. Rand's no good on TV. And I'm like, that's not an answer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's ridiculous. Rand is fine on TV. Um, but, dude, but when he was when he was grilling Fauci, and by the way, by the way, dude, the fucking the article just came out. They admitted that they that that uh Eco Health Alliance or whatever the fuck that was 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 giving money to the fucking Wuhan lab 
and the NIH funded gain of function research. They said it, and it took two years when nobody's paying attention because they're paying attention to the Roe v. Wade thing and the Ukraine thing and the fucking gun thing and the midterms. And of course they they came out with that now. Of course they fucking came out with it now because they knew that everybody doesn't give a shit about the about the virus anymore. And they 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 they're these fuckers. And I you and by the way. The fucking, this is, this shit we should have known. Us as people who are being ass-fucked every day, skull-raped, grab them by the ears and you're gonna blow me until you fucking vomit type of shit, we should have known better because there was a fucking paper written that came out of the uh, University of North Carolina by Dr. Ralph Barrick about gain-of-function research on bats in 2015. And he mentioned the NIH in it. And so did that fucking... Xi uh, Zhang Li, bat lady bitch in China from the Wuhan lab. They mentioned the NIH. They thanked them for their contributions to their shitty fucking research. Yeah, and you got to also get out not only from China, but what they were doing in Chapel Hill. Uh, Jeffrey Sachs. Yeah, University of North Carolina. The, that's, yes. Yeah. yes. Um, Jeffrey Sachs uh, recently uh, spoke about how it may have come out of that lab, and I think it's a combo pack. Um, and, and, and by the way, no leak. That's Johnny nonsense. This is a seeded bioweapon. Uh, that's not the way global pan. They get you so hyped up thinking, oh, everybody gets on a plane and a train. And it just spreads worldwide. Bullshit. That's bullshit. Even with a bioweapon, there are 8 billion people here. All right. And just so everybody knows, it didn't start in China. Okay. It didn't. Anyone can now look back. And it was clearly in the United States and New York in October and November of 2019. And we also have to realize that the Chinese military said, hey, we think that this is a bioweapon that we got hit with during the Wuhan games in November of 2019. That's right. Don't forget the event. Yeah, they said that. And in October of 2019. Multiple military officials that attended that said that. Absolutely. And again, something we don't talk about. And, and this is the same. This this almost goes back to the beginning of the conversation. We were talking about censored internet and Google and Dragonfly and now censored, right? This is not about nation states. For us, visually, what we see in the media is about nation states. But then you have this conglomerate that is now meeting under the guise of what? Uh, virtuous globalism, benevolent globalism, that they care about our health. They don't give a fuck about your health. You are out of your mind. They gave a fuck about your health. Would McDonald's and Burger King be open on tap while, while a deadly virus that you need a good immune system to fight is everywhere? Get the fuck out of here. It's, it's nonsense. So you look at this, and everybody should have known that. I don't think Rand Paul went far enough, but as far as politicians, he would have been the guy. And at the end of the day, going back to Stone, I go, let's say he runs in 2024. He wins by a landslide, and then he doesn't get in again. Then what, Roger? And Roger looked at me. He goes, well, then I think it's time for a revolution. And you know what I have to say to that? Easy, old man. Yeah. <laughs> Easy, old man. You've lived your life, okay? I've never. And, and this is something that, you know, they always want to they, they always want to paint you as something that you're not, right? They want to, now that. I have an association, of course, with Alex Jones. I was the first guy that he ever gave a show to. I do the fourth hour every one time. Now I'm alt-right, right? I'm not sure. alt-right. I'm not a conservative. And I'm not a revolutionary. I'm a constitutionalist. And I'm a reformationist. I believe in checks and balances. 
and three branches of government. And just quite frankly, Roger, you've lived a great life. Okay, you've been hanging out with Roy Cohn and all these other people and Donnie T. Light to little boys, again, little boys come into play a lot here. That's probably my biggest beef with Roger Stone, other than him being the godfather of lobbying, modern-day lobbying, which totally eviscerated what we had within our government in checks and balances and allowed uh, corruption to run wild. He is one of the three guys that started the initial uh, lobbying institution that really, in my opinion, we have to get rid of altogether, that, that model that people can just walk in and throw down money and have private meetings. That's fucking insane, right? Yeah. Um, I am very much a Martin Luther King Jr. with a hint of Malcolm X, like you should totally be armed if you need to be. I believe in the Second Amendment. It ain't there for deer. But I believe in sit-ins. I believe in peaceful takeovers. You know, I was at the Capitol on January 6th. I didn't go inside, but I was on the second level. Mainstream media stole a lot of my footage put it out there, never paid me. I never got arrested or approached, probably because I went there um, as a journalist. But I, I always said, you know what? Had these people come here, not gone inside, and just said, hey, we're not leaving until you count the votes. <laughs> yeah. We're not leaving until we get some real action here and had a sit-in and, and made them use force against, you know, instead of just basically having their moment and then – Nighttime comes and everybody leaves <laughs> and now they can paint you up as some kind of like violent insurrectionist, which is right. a joke. It was like a glorified Dave Matthews band concert. Well, that's, I, I, that, that came about because of the, the provocation from the federal government that they had, you know, I, I, that night, uh, I interviewed, uh, Steve Poikinen, who was also there. Steve's yes. great. I, I, I was with Steve there. Yeah. And Before the first, we went to the Capitol. Yeah. And uh, I asked him, the first thing I asked him was like, listen, because it was a huge, like if you were watching it on TV and you're just like a, a civilian who doesn't necessarily, you, you're, you're in and out with politics, but you're, you know, you're focusing on your own life. You think this is insane. What you're watching on CNN is insane. And so the first thing I said, I was like, listen, what, what happened? Like, what is the thing that you could tell me whatever's the media is going to say, what is something they're blatantly going to leave out in this story? And the first thing he said was agents provocateurs that everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, that seems about right. Doubt. Listen, man, one of the first things that I pointed out in the farce that this was some kind of like domestic terror event or insurrection, or they were even worried about terrorism. Right. First of all, you had the pipe bomber the night before that they never caught that was putting pipe bombs around D.C., one of the most heavily surveilled places via CCTV on the fucking planet. So let me let me say this. Law enforcement obviously knows on the 5th before the 6th when this happened, somebody's planning fucking pipe bombs. Yet. At the ellipse, where the speech is, and you could argue between 100,000 and a million people are there. I'm not going to take any guess in between, but everybody saw the pictures, right? You had a road. This is where I was with Steve Poikinen. You can go watch my videos with Steve, Pasta Jardula, and my boy Dylan Avery, who we did loose change with. He had just kind of come down randomly, and we met up at this, you know, synchronicity, baby. Uh, we saw each other, you know, hugged, and we actually... He's the one I walked up to the cat. I was going home. 
And then Dylan told me someone got shot at the Capitol. And that's when I was like, fuck it, I better go up there. And then Pat Militich called me up, UFC Hall of Famer. And he was already up there. He said I had to get up there. So that's when I went up there. Trump's speech still wasn't even over. We had left before that. But once I saw people getting put in and they were allowing everybody to just take their backpack off and there were piles of backpacks, four to Wait, six so, feet high. So Babbitt was shot before Trump finished the speech? Oh, 100%. Okay, well, that really changes kind of the entire 100%. January 6th hearings. <laughs> I, was getting, I, I, I was getting texts from my mother making sure I was okay as I was approaching because she had heard somebody had been shot as well. Jesus So there, there, there is no doubt that at, at least I was getting word before the speech was even over, or it must have been at the cusp, because we, we were actually a ways up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Trump, yeah. I, I, first of all, the way they had it set up, they didn't even want these people to hear the speech. Like, the, the speakers were poor. Uh, everybody behind the, the ellipse, I didn't really hear anything. Every once in a while, I would look up, and maybe I would see a monitor with Giuliani on it, or one of the Trump boys, whatever. I wasn't really there for that. You know, I was there to cover the news. But... If you go back to the war on terror, the big, you know, Bernaysian talking point was, if you see something, say something. If you see an unattended bag or backpack, it could be an explosive. <laughs> and you had actual explosives planted the night before. And now you had hundreds, if not thousands of unattended bags that were never inspected and no one gave a rat's arness. That should, again, do you have cognitive dissonance or do you understand that the guy they still haven't arrested for the pipe bomber was probably an agent provocateur or an asset, if not an agent straight up? And yeah. that should terrify fucking people. Did you, see the, uh, did you see the uh, article they ran on Ray Epps? about yes, being a victim of the and Jesus. there's never a denial there's never there's there's no denial whatsoever that he was either working with law enforcement of some kind the the military or the feds and i just read your signature reduction okay if he was a part of that program they don't even have to say a goddamn thing and, and clearly he's not only on video telling people the night before as they chant fed but he's there at the initial breach where they, they take down the fence and he whispers into some sailor's ear who also doesn't get arrested. I mean, yeah. again, it's common sense, folks. I, I wish more people could get beyond the talking points that they're constantly seeing in the media, that they would take the time out, especially after what you just went through via the COVID-1984 nightmare to take a closer look. And if you are on the left, and you are a Democrat, and somehow you fell into this TDS psyop, this Trump derangement syndrome psyop, because maybe he's, listen, I, I was never campaigning for Trump. I, I didn't watch The Apprentice. You know, I, I came into it telling people, look, he's a gangster. Yeah. He helped, you know, build casinos in Atlantic City and build that city up. And he was in contracting in New York. If you don't think he worked with the mafia, you're retarded. Uh, I'm like, he's a womanizer. He's on Dude, wife three right now. He, he ran beauty pageants. He, uh, he, it was Felix Sater ran a Russian pump and dump uh, stock scheme out of Trump Tower 
under the guise of Bayrock Financial. I mean, this guy is clearly tied into shady entities. What's interesting, too, you know, that we're bringing up agents provocateur. One thing I'll say about the Trump right, I think we're close to cracking them with with the breaking the the two-party political paradigm because they're realizing because a lot of the right was the more trusting of the FBI and the CIA before Trump and now they're realizing oh they're infiltrating and subverting and if I if we could just now get them to understand that they also did that during the Antifa riots to make sure that uh, they could set the president that we need to be able uh, to control populations more Right, because the more that they went crazy during the summer of 2020, the more they could make the claim that we need more of a police state. We need to take guns away from people because people are unpredictable. We need to make sure that there's a massive line of defense between our uh, governing officials and the populace. And so, if we could just get them there, if they're so close, they understand how. Uh, 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 infiltrated the, the January 6th thing was. I don't even know what it was. Was it a riot? Yeah, kind of protest. Not really. There was. They weren't making any sense. It sure as hell wasn't an insurrection. If we could just get them to move over a little bit and go, oh, they were they were probably doing it that there too. There's probably, oh shit, it doesn't matter right or left. The, the, the people, the upper echelon, doesn't give a shit about whether you're right or left. They're working against you. They're working against you. You know why? Because you're not them. There's no ists that they give a shit about. They don't give a shit about racism or sexism or homophobia or transphobia or whatever the fucking phobes, all the whatever. I don't like I don't like fucking Indian guys who run pizza parlors. It annoys me. I don't know why. Is there merit to my opinion? No, absolutely not. But they annoy me. Okay? If they're running a subway. Fantastic. I hope they succeed with all the wonders of the world, everything that Allah can bring them or whatever Sikhs worship. Boy, you'd really hate uh, Albany because not only do they do the the pizza shops, but they also sell fried chicken there. So it's like a pizza (laughs) fried chicken combo. Talk oh about some God. cultural appropriation, huh, buddy? Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, well, I, yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, in, in Albany, it's probably just resourceful. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 just, and I think we're close, and I think that's why the media, I think that's the true reason why the media and a portion of the right wants to take down Trump people, because Trump people got pretty close to realizing the whole thing was a fucking game. And I think now, unfortunately, they're going back into that. They're receding back into their, you know, comfortable tribalist. The biggest problem with that, though, bro, was the hopium they got sold on, the super squirrel secret message boards, and that things like Guantanamo yeah. Bay were good, yeah. you know? No, yeah. And let me say this. I'm on tour with a lot of these people that push that, okay? Um, but I'm able to give fact-based speeches about reality. And my next one is going to be on the deep state. I'm going to bring up signature reduction, continuity of government, et cetera. And the, you know, the lead speaker on this tour is general Mike Flynn. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So Mike Flynn, I've, I've never talked to him personally. Right. Um, I was first kind of introduced to him in April of this year when Clay Clark, who puts these things on, did a private event at his compound in Tulsa. And I was kind of surprised to see Mike Flynn walk in, uh, the people that run the the Epoch Times were there. 
flyover conservatives, a lot, a lot of interesting folks. He spoke a little bit, and I hadn't heard him speak in a while, but he spoke about the new world order and transhumanism a bit. And I'm like, all right, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I give this speech. I think I was the lead in to like Roger Stone or, or something this time. And Flynn watched the whole thing. And, um, you know, Clay Clark said he was really impressed, you know, thought I gave one of the best, if not the best, uh, presentation of the entire weekend. Um, you know, it's my girlfriend who went down there and recently interviewed Flynn. That's uh, being put out, um, I think, uh, progressively uh, over time over on Gateway Pundit. I helped write up a lot of those questions. But I'd love to have a sit down with Flynn. Flynn's military intelligence. That guy's been around for several administrations. He's seen on the inside. There are certain things I'm sure he can't talk about. Um, but there are other things that I think that he can. And if you can get a guy that's been on the inside that was really at, at the height of his career put into the most prestigious position of power by Barack Obama, of all people, right, you know, uh, and only stuck out the position. I think he was the director of intelligence for like less than 18 months or something like that, and, and he couldn't do it. And then he gets hired by Trump and he doesn't last a few months. And it's clearly, you know, clearly a smear job and a hit job. I've been preaching bro about the logan act for over a decade we talked about bilderberg that's where you use it that's yeah. where real treasonous activity is going on behind closed doors with separate state actors and instead they used it on a guy who was having lunch and didn't know that he was uh you know being uh basically interrogated by the fbi so that they could take him down you know yeah. so in that way i'm sympathetic but in the same way, I know that you were part of the problem for a very long time, Mr. Flynn. When did you wake up to being part of that problem and realizing, hey, we don't want to be in Syria. Hey, we don't want to be in Afghanistan. Hey, we don't want to be in Iraq. And, you know, and there's another great place where you could say Trump failed. I get it. They impeached him twice for Johnny nonsense, but you should have had Flynn's back. You know, that's one of the things that he should have been pounding into and saying stuff about all the time. And he just didn't. So, look. I voted Trump twice. You know, uh, I, I might vote for him again if there's literally nothing else on the other side. But I certainly am not thinking that he is going to be the savior. And it won't matter who's in office. We have a militarized, fenced-in D.C. We got a poopy pants zombie and a cackling whore as our two world leaders, somebody who literally slept her way to the top via Willie Brown, San Francisco mayor mistress. And then, uh, what was it, uh, Montel Williams is one of his girlfriends. I mean, give me a I, dude. It couldn't get more it, cartoon level. The, the uh, woman can't speak. I can't. I can't. I mean, it baffles me that she was even able to sleep her way to the top because I mean, her ch like the shape of her chin just gives me the it, like her fucking blowjobs must be sharp. Like just like I've always said this. Ugh. You know, she strikes me as the type of person that like your uh your home. For, from college, right? You're home and she's like preparing dinner and the you know, your dad's in there and she's your mom and you got your best buddy over the house and he goes upstairs to the bathroom and she sneaks up there to give him a handy. Like she's yeah. that kind of, and then she'll like lie to your face about it. She's that kind of person. She's a cackling witch. My friend, yeah. I have, uh, I've got some uh, errands I've got to run. I sure. know we've only like almost an hour and a half here. Yep. I, I just want to say, Mr. Unfit Statesman, <laughs> that I find you hilarious thank you uh, you know even with the dark off color stuff i think in, in this time period now more than ever you kind of have to get uh push back against this idea 
that you're not allowed to say inappropriate things in humor, things that you obviously don't believe, things that are parody. For instance, you know, Alex Stein calling Sandy Cortez a sexy, big booty Latina. Yeah. And I've got to hear people saying that he was like sexually harassing and stalking her. I'm like, you watch that video and you think that he's actually sexually interested in her yeah. or is insane. intimidating in any way. You're obviously a crazy person. I had somebody say that he should be investigated for the, by the FBI. Bill O'Reilly jumped in and said there needs to be new laws. A guy who's actually been accused of and settled in Dude. court sexual harassment lawsuits like that like guy. he paid didn't he pay like 11 million dollars like what did he do to that poor girl Holy you can shit. listen to some of the phone conversations they're they're yeah. out there you can listen to some of the the uh i believe it's uh he left him on her answering machine because it's that far long ago that's the kind of creep bill o'reilly is and piece of shit he's always been but yeah. alex stein is sitting there 20 to 100 feet away uh, yeah. who knows he's not even near he yeah. starts calling her a big booty Latina while he's smiling. Yeah. He's the guy that wears masks over his eyes and raps at city council meeting. He's he's a parody, you know. Yeah. He's he's like literally a comedian that's pointing out social issues. And now they want to restrict free speech e even further because he dared to say something to AOC, which she responded like this in a fucking psycho mask outside. Yeah. She's still wearing the mask, folks, two plus years later outside. Who's the crazy person? Who's who's really the problem? Who's the danger to society? Alex fucking hilarious Stein or Sandy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? <laughs> yeah. My, my episode with him, by the way, is behind the paywall. Go check that motherfucker out. Um, listen, tell everybody. First of all, I want you to, before you even do the, the social media plugs and what you're doing now, rail off uh, everything that you've done in the past just so everybody gets a refresher all the documentaries you've been involved in and all the shows that you've been involved in. Um, I want people, you know, I think particularly now, I don't think it's a bad idea to start going back and looking at like 9-11 and looking at some of the nefarious and insidious, sinister things that they were doing back then. Because if you, if you go back now and look at that, you're going to be able to look at that with a whole a whole new clear lens and go, yeah, no, this makes sense now. Now that I see what's going on now, I can see how that's that's attached and built up from that time and that there was a foundation laid. So so rail off everything that you've done in the past and or, you know, anything that you're doing now. So I would totally agree with you. I think that you can't have a great understanding of where we are today if you don't know where we've been the past 20 plus years. That's why Loose Change Final Cut and Fabled Enemies are so important. They are free. All of my films are. And then you want the bigger picture, Invisible Empire, A New World Order to Find, and then Shade the Motion Picture, a film I put out now uh, nine years ago. Nine years ago, Shade the Motion Picture gave you a 20-minute section on Bill Gates, geoengineering, bioengineering and globalism. I was trying to warn people then all of these films are relevant today and they are free. You can find them in the playlist section at my YouTube. If they don't kick me off constantly under attack, um, that's not where free speech lives. If you want to see my stuff uncensored and in your face, there are three places to do so. You can do so via the rock fin where shade, the motion picture is at the top. You can do it over at rumble. We rumbling. We're uncensored over at rumble. And then over at Podbean, where you can also find audio versions and an RSS feed. If you want to financially support this jackass, buy me a coffee.
The links are down below on every single one of the videos, five, 10, 15 bucks. It means the world to me. And you get content almost every single day, sometimes several times a day. And no filler, all killer. We back up what we say here and we engage our audience. Because to me, as you know, brother, it's never been about left or right. It is always about right and wrong. And right now we are very much in the fight for our lives. And we must become the great resistance to this very real repackaged New World Order Great Reset Agenda. Absolutely. Fuck the globalists. Go fuck, the, go fuck their mothers and the sisters and the brothers. And, and listen, if you haven't, like I said, if you haven't seen some of the, particularly I'm, I'm going to push your, your older stuff, loose chain shit, all of it, go check it out. It's it's they're fucking fantastic. They're you know they're well researched, and they're 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 not like bullshit emotional documentaries. It's just they lay thick layers of fucking facts on you, like like fog in the fucking in the hills of of South Dakota, the western region <laughs> of South Dakota, the Black Hills, the 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 land we stole from the natives. That's hey, what man. we'll you end know, on. You go to South Dakota. You go to Oklahoma, bro. I'll tell you what. I'm from the there. That... I'm from South Dakota. Oh, okay. Well, I'm in Iowa. You're about six hours from me. I, I went yeah. all the way up to Sioux Falls. Unless Sioux Falls is about six so, hours. From well, Sioux Falls. So I've lived in Sioux Falls, but I'm from Rapid City, which is like five and a half hours west on I-90. Oh, by Mount Rushmore? By Mount Rushmore, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, I was in South Dakota. I'm like, maybe I'll go to Mount Rushmore. Then I realized that I was like five plus hours away. Yeah, no, and when I went back to Iowa, uh, the first time I met Pat Militich, he was fighting. That's why I was going back there. It was during the whole COVID-1984 nightmare. 3,000 people got together uh, at the Mississippi Valley Fairgrounds to watch that. And he's like, you know, you should really go check out uh, Gillespie, Montana. And I'm like, well, let me type it. It looked beautiful. Let me type in how far that is from here. It was another 24 hours. Yeah, the dude. Midwest and the West is vast, folks. It's that big. whole overpopulation thing is a bunch of smelly stinky bullshit <laughs> yeah there's about like 45 minutes between the town that i grew up in which is a town of seventy-five thousand, and the next town okay these are some big bitches over in the midwest and the west go fucking populate those keep having sex keep doing research keep fucking not listening to the government propaganda keep listening to me and jason Burmes. thank you everybody jason thank you for joining me i know you're a very busy man Thank you, sir. We'll do it again, all right? We will.